Father, we thank you for tonight as we come before your holy word. We pray that your word will minister to your people in simplest and in clarity of speech. We thank you, Lord, for your word that will be a blessing to us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we looked at Paul's prayer to the Philippians. But before that, we noticed uh, Paul commended the church to Christ who is the pioneer perfecter of our faith. And one of the lessons we learned is in this year of knowing Christ, when we minister to people and they receive Christ as their Lord and personal savior, let's point them to Christ. Let's let them know that Christ is the beginning and he's the end of their faith. He's the pioneer perfecter. In Hebrews chapter 12 verse two, the word, the phrase, the author and finisher of our faith means the Lord is the pioneer perfecter. It, he pioneered the faith by which we received him, and he's the one that's going to perfect it. And that's why Apostle Paul could confidently say in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, that I am confident that the Lord who has begun a good work in you will complete it. So, as Christians, whenever we Stand the clarion call of inclusion to invite our unsaved friends and family and loved ones to receive Christ as their Lord and personal Savior. Let's not forget to also commend them to Christ because it's Christ who is the pioneer perfecter of our faith. Secondly, uh, one of the things I think we learned was Paul's affection for the church didn't wane. This might be an unpleasant and terrifying. Uh, situation. We learned that Paul still had a lot of zeal, a lot of love, a lot of affection for the things of God, for the church. Meanwhile, he was in jail. He was shackled. He wasn't really a free man. He was in very unpleasant circumstances, but it didn't affect his joy. It didn't affect his love he had for the brethren. It didn't affect his zeal for the things of God. And that is what joy is. In, our, in the last two weeks, we came to understand that you can experience Christian joy even when you are in the harshest of life's trials and difficulties. When you have joy, you are able to maintain your stand for God, hold on to your faith, and keep your zeal for the things of God aglow. We saw that in the life of Paul. You know, there, there was no difference between Paul being a civilian and he being a prisoner. It's no difference. It's just, you know, it, it didn't really affect his desire and his zeal. And I pray that may we become like that, that we can become constant and instant. One, one of the ad, ad, advices that Paul gave to Timothy, his son and his protege in the faith, was be instant in season and out of season. Be instant. That word instant means be constant, be consistent. Be consistent with the statement of your faith. Be consistent with the confession of your faith. Be consistent in the things of God. Be, be, be instant in season and out of season. Sometimes it might not go your way, be instant. Sometimes it might go your way, be instant. Uh, so, sometimes you might be down. Uh, maintain your, your, your stand of faith. Sometimes uh, things may, 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 may go favorably, you know, for you. 
still maintain your confessional faith. We have to come to that place of consistency. And ladies and gentlemen, to do this is not by human might. It's not by human might. It's by the Spirit's enabling. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. And we always have to remember that. It's possible for you to be in so much adverse situation, yet you are able to maintain your stand for God because of joy. I've seen Christians, I've seen men of God who have been able to do that. Nothing really shook them and, 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 and wavered them. And you think they are superhuman. They are not superhumans. It's just, they have just allowed the Spirit's enabling and the, the spirit that the fruit of the spirit which is joy to be fully manifested in their life and when joy is fully manifested in your life that is what happened a typical example of this is zacharias let, can, let me read zacharias luke chapter one go with me to luke chapter one luke chapter one <clears throat> verse five to nine i want to read this before we go into today's study luke chapter one verse five to nine there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. <clears throat> Excuse me. Today, if you, if you don't really give birth as a woman, it's not really a big deal as it was in the times of Zacharias. It, it was a stigma to a woman who was barren. It was a stigma to a man who was impotent. In fact, during those times, the Jews believed that if you couldn't give birth, it was because the hand of the Lord weighed heavily upon you. And what does it mean when the hand of the Lord weighed heavily upon you is that uh, God has cursed you. So during those times, do you know the stigma of, wow, this woman is cursed, she's not given birth. Because one of the blessings that was pronounced on the Jewish people was, you will be fruitful. You will be fruitful. You will give birth. You will not cast out your young. You know? So if you, if, you, if you are in a position whereby married and there is no fruit of the womb from that union, it was a stigma. It, it was almost as being leprous and nobody wanted to be in that state. It's almost a shame. And this was Zacharias. The Bible lets us know that the hand of the Lord did not weigh heavily upon them. They walked in the commandments of God and the ordinances of the Lord blameless. These were righteous people. Righteous people. And they were growing. The Bible said they were well advanced in years and they had no children. But look at the posture of Elizabeth and Zacharias. Verse 8. So it was that whilst he was serving as priest before God in the order of the division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. You see, Zacharias didn't care whether he had children, he didn't have children. 
his zeal, his desire, his tenacity, his fervor for the things of God never waned. Do you think it didn't bother Zacharias that he didn't have a child? He's human. I'm sure it might have bothered him. Do you think it didn't bother Elizabeth that day she, she couldn't give birth? I'm very sure it bothered her. Because every woman, one of the natural desires of a woman is to have a child of their own. I'm sure it bothered them. Very sure. It's not like they didn't care. But right here you see a picture of joy. This is the picture of joy. Joy, that's calm delight, that's cheerfulness. Cheerfulness means your countenance is not sullen. Alright? Calm delight means you have that calm assurance that God is in control of things. That is joy. So right here you will see a picture of joy right here. And this was how Apostle Paul was in jail. No matter my environment, I still choose to be fervent in the things of God. So I pray that may all of us here, may we be able to maintain our stand, may we maintain our confession, irregardless of what happens to us. Amen. Now, in Paul's prayer, four things were, were mentioned, and we looked at that last week. He prayed that the love of the Philippians were abound more and more in knowledge and in discernment. And we talked about that last week. Knowledge, when we are talking about knowledge, we are not talking about general knowledge. We're talking about knowledge that is precise and correct. So he's talking about the knowledge of Christ. May your love abound more and more in the knowledge of Christ. And you get the knowledge of Christ through the Bible. All right? Precise. It's, it's, it's within a context. It's not general. You don't find it everywhere. You get it through the Bible. Then it says that may your love also abound more and more in all discernments. We looked at three versions and we were able to deduce the meaning of the word discernments. In NIV, it means depth of insights. In the King James Version, it means judgment. And in Amplified, it means practical insights. So when, the, when Apostle Paul is praying that may the Lord, may, may, may the Lord uh, help you that your love will abound more and more in discernment. That is what it means. Number two, approve the things that are excellent. Approve the things that are excellent. It, it came to my mind that as a Christian, it's very likely you will not approve the things that are excellent. That's why you have to pray about it. You have to make it a prayer topic because you need some boldness to be able to say, this is right. It's in line with the Bible, and I support it. Even though it might be against the norm, it might be against uh, what society believes in, it is right, because that is what the Bible says. Amen. So excellence here, like I said, it talks about morality, good and lawful, and all that. And all these things have to be in line with the Bible. Okay? So approve things that are in line with Scripture. Number three, be sincere and without offense till his coming. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. Apostles Paul says that men have to lift up holy hands without fear and without wrath. Sometimes we come to the prayer that we are offended. Things are not going our way, we are offended. 
that may we come to a place where we can serve the Lord and we are not offended. Amen. Be sincere, not hypocritical. I like the King James word for sincere, unfeigned. Unfeigned. That means you are genuine. Amen. The fourth thing, filled with the fruits of righteousness. This is talking about the fruits of being a new creation. When, when with Second Corinthians chapter five verse seventeen, we are doing our series on um, the ministry of reconciliation. We've learned that we are new creation. So when you become a new creation, the fruit of new creation is also known as the fruit of righteousness. Because what makes you a new creation is you have been ascribed the identity of righteousness. And every fruit that comes out of you as a new creation, as a result, can also be called fruits of righteousness amen so um this prayer i hope we took inspiration from that this was a man imprisoned in chains in a prison cell and yet was able to write such powerful prayer points to his church so i pray that we we take inspiration from this four blessings and we also pray that upon ourselves amen so let's move on to tonight's study so go with me to philippians chapter one we're just going to read verse 12 and read philippians chapter one verse 12 to 18. nice man seeing why it's a blessing anyway but i want you to know brethren that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the federals of the gospel so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in christ and most of the brethren in the lord having become confident by my chains are much more bold to speak the word without fear some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and will rejoice. Amen. So, this is Paul talking to the Philippian church. Uh, when you look at Paul's tone, he was not really worried about what is going on behind him. He had peace. He had peace because he had left things into the hands of God. So, that's one of the characters uh, characteristics of joy I want us to know and, and believe God we can practically apply this to our life. You have to come to a place of no worry. You know, Paul had every cause in this world to be worried because at that time there was um, the proliferation of false teachers 
were teaching. You know, first teachers did not start today. Started during Paul's time, or Peter's time, if I should say. We were false teachers. He wasn't. But he wasn't bothered. He wasn't bothered. He knows that God is able to keep the people. God is able to perfect their faith. Is able to complete that which he has already. He was. He wasn't bothered. And he talked about, even though he's in jail, it has caused the furtherance of the gospel. And Paul was saying this by experience, because if you read the commentary and the history of this, it was during this period that Paul wrote two more letters in addition to the Philippians. That's the book of Ephesians, the book of Colossians. All those were written during this time period, AD 61, when Paul was in jail. So when Paul was saying that um, he being imprisoned was for the furtherance of the gospel, it showed the sort of mindset he had. Paul was like, even though I'm in prison, I am still going to focus and do the work of God. I was thinking about it, I'm like, wow, Paul is a very strange man. So is it in prison that he was able to have such a wild revelation on Ephesians chapter 6, talking about the spiritual warfare, the breastplate of righteousness and all that, you know, and in the book of Colossians, he made some very powerful truths. He did all this in prison. In fact, when you read Ephesians chapters 1 to 3, it talks about the blessings of being in Christ. Make some powerful declarations that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened, that we will know the hope of his calling. All these things, he wrote them in jail at this period. Why? How was he even able to have the mental fortitude to concentrate and write these epistles? which today have been a blessing to the New Testament church. I believe he was able to do that because of the virtue of joy. He was saying that, fair enough, no matter where I am, it is going to be for the furtherance of the gospel. It showed the peace, the calm delight that Paul had because he had joy. He was not worried. He was not worried about the outcome. He, he wasn't worried. And that's why in the beginning of his prayer, he said, I just commit you to God who is able to complete that which he has begun. He wasn't worried. He wasn't worried about false teachers coming in because now Apostle Paul is no longer in town. He wasn't worried of any of the stuff. And then he was like, Thanks be to God that even whilst I'm imprisoned, it has emboldened people to even preach the gospel, which is a blessing. And one of the things that encourages me that no matter the stiff opposition the church faces, the ministry faces worldwide, you can never shut the church. You know, I quite remember during the early stages of the pandemic, many churches were not meeting. Most churches were not tech savvy, so they could not, you know, use Zoom and that stuff, you know. 
Uh, many people were found wanting. Some people thought it would have crippled the church forever. It didn't really. It didn't really. The, the church caught on. The church, the church did what they had to do. And still, the church is going strong. Yeah, it might be true that, yes, numbers have gone down because now many will prefer to uh, do virtual church than come in person. And I, I know that's a phase. People will snap out of it one day. But anyway, anyhow, the church of God will still move on and will still thrive no matter what. You can never imprison the gospel. Paul says that even though I'm imprisoned, even though I, I am a mouthpiece and I'm, uh, I am one of the voices of the gospel in the Asia Minor region, even though I've been imprisoned, it has rather been to my benefit that the furtherance of the gospel, which is a blessing, more people rose up, more people became emboldened. And that is the blessing of the church. That's the blessing of Christianity. Throughout historical, biblical, and contemporary times, the church has always thrived under pressure, opposition, and attacks. It's, it never loses its voice. It never goes silent, no matter how much it's attacked. So be very encouraged. You are in a very lively religion if you want to call it a religion i'll call it a way of life it's a culture and the, the, when when jesus said on earth in matthew chapter 16 verse 13 that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church he really meant it when he said that the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church you can imprison pastors the gospel will still go on you can close down churches the church will still go on. there is nothing that can ever shut the church of the living God. Why? Because of the prophets, the great prophet Jesus Christ, who has uttered these words out of his mouth, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. They can say, okay, Zoom, we, 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 we don't want to have any more religious meetings. The church will still thrive. Facebook can say, we don't want you to post any more religious meetings, religious others. The church of God will still go on. You can't imprison the gospel. Paul was imprisoned, but the gospel traveled further. Men became emboldened. And in those days, it wasn't very easy for people to really be emboldened because of the pressure, because of the attack, because of the persecution, and even the stigma that was attached with preaching the gospel. But, but here is a man who was sold out for Christ, and when he was imprisoned, a rather caused the federance of the gospel. So that is great news. The Apostle Paul went on to say that some preach Christ out of envy and strife, some preach Christ out of goodwill. And, and he mentioned their motives. Those who preach it out of envy and strife, um, they preach it out of selfish ambition. And those who preach it out of goodwill, their motive is out of love. But I like Paul's uh, attitude and his response to the two types of preaching. He said, whether you preach the gospel in pretense or you preach it in truth, Christ is still being preached. There is propagation in the gospel. The gospel is spreading. 
the nets of the gospel are spreading. Whether you are preaching it in pretense, you are preaching it out of envy and strife, motivated by selfish ambition, whether you are preaching it out of goodwill, motivated by love, how be it, the gospel is still being preached. And what did he say? I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. This Paul in jail. He doesn't have access to a church, but he rejoices. Do you know why he could rejoice? He should have said, I am in depression. He should have said, I am sad. He should have even said, okay, Christ is being preached. I am happy. He didn't even say I'm happy. He said, I rejoice. You can only rejoice when you have joy. You see, so this makes us know that Paul was not relying on emotions. Paul was really in a state of being. That's what joy is about, a state of being. It's a fruit of the Spirit. This makes me know that because Paul spent much time praying, because he spent much time cultivating a deeper and a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit, he had the fruit of joy fully manifesting. And that is why he could exhibit such a response to whatever was happening around him at that time. Amen. So, this calls for a deeper relationship. You, you see, talking like Paul, behaving like Paul, having this sort of response to maybe a situation or something that is beyond you, it's, it's, it's a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will enable you. The Holy Spirit will allow the fruit of joy to be fully manifested. And when the fruit of joy is fully manifested, you don't fake it. Really, this is how you talk. Involuntarily. Amen. Verse 19. For now I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. But with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live on in this flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet well, what shall I choose, I cannot tell. For I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. You see, this is the expression of joy. Paul was ready to meet the Lord. He wasn't afraid of death. The worst outcome that could come out of the prison was they would sentence me, and Paul was not afraid of death. He rather called death deliverance that when I'm, when, I'm, when I'm put to death, if I'm sentenced to death, 
uh, I've been delivered from this body. And look at how Paul is talking. He said he's hard-pressed. He doesn't know what to choose. Because if I should die, it's, it's better. But for your sakes, maybe I will have to be here. I might have to be here. Paul was, was considering the feeling of the Philippian church. It wasn't even about him wanting to preserve his life. That is the expression of joy. And that's what I'm saying, that an aspect of joy also means that you are eagerly expecting the return of the Lord. And with Paul, Paul even went beyond eagerly expecting the Lord. He was ready to go and meet the Lord. You see, he moved from eager expectation of the Lord to now, I eagerly want to meet the Lord. Now I'll die. And what is death? And that is the expression of joy. The expression of joy is you look forward to the coming of the Lord. That's my point I want to get to. That's, you can't talk to me about Christian joy and then when we mention the coming of the Lord, your heart skips a beat. When we mention the coming of the Lord, it's like as if we said you are diagnosed with a terminal disease. That's how some people treat the coming of the Lord. It's like, it's the, bar, the, the, the worst news I can hear. What do you mean by God is coming soon? I want to achieve everything. I, I remember I used to be like that. I'm like, I want to achieve everything. Don't talk to me about the Lord is coming soon. We have to achieve things. You know? And why was I able to say that? Because joy was not made perfect in me. But when you, when you come to a certain stage in your Christian work with God, and when joy is made perfect in you, anytime you are ready for the coming of the Lord, it will not be difficult to utter these words, Maranatha, which means, Lord, come. Yeah, it will not be difficult. Any Christian today who struggles at the thought of Christ is going to come one day, doesn't have joy. Joy is not fully manifested. Joy is not made perfect. There's Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul was not only in eager expectation of the coming of the Lord. He was eagerly attempting to meet the Lord through death. He didn't care. He said, look, if they, if they crucify me, to, if they sentence me to death, great. I'm going to be with the Lord. Christ will be magnified in my body. And he will be magnified in my body either by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. I gain from death. And what is the gain? I go and meet my father. That's a gain. Apostle Paul is saying that maybe for you I might I might have to I might have to you know pump the brakes. And stay. You know, and he had no, no, no life to live. And, and this is not a depressed person talking. This is not a suicidal person talking. This is different from someone who is suicidal. I was all hadn't lost all hope. There is a certain joy when you have. You just want to be with the Lord. One day, a man of God testified about 
his wife died and his pastor raised him from the dead, raised her from the dead. And when his pastor raised her from the dead and, he, and, and she came back to life, she was very angry at the husband, extremely angry. And the husband said, that was the first time I've seen like really, and cause like, you were disturbing me. I was just in the presence of the Lord, just enjoy. And then the Lord said, I have to go back. And she wasn't happy. Then I think a couple of years later, she, she fell sick. She told the husband clearly, don't call this man of God to come and pray for me again. When I die, just bury me. Do you know why the woman was able to talk like that? It's because of joy. Eagerly in anticipation to meet God. Today, as you listen to me, ask yourself, am I eagerly in anticipation of God's return? Am I? Because that is the proof of joy. If joy is fully made manifest in your life, you are ready to meet God. And we pray that nobody will ever come to a place of death sentence. We pray like that should never really happen. But the worst of the worst. If it should happen, you will not quicken your boots and you will not fret. Uh, you, you can really say like Apostle Paul, for me to live as Christ, to die is gain. When I die, I gain. And what do I gain? I gain going into the presence of the Lord. This Apostle Paul, eagerly in expectation. This, this really makes me know that Apostle Paul had no interest in things of this world. You, you can only talk like this when you have lost all taste buds for the earth. I think Apostle Paul, he really obeyed John's letter. Do not love this world, nor the things of this world. For anybody who loves the things of this world does not have the love of the Father in me. I think Apostle Paul really embodied that. And that's why he was able to talk like that. May God help us to love him the more. May God help us to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Depth of fellowship, deeper roots, because it's only when you get to that level that you will talk. You, you can't just talk like this without paying the price for a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit. So your prayer should not be, Oh Lord, I want to talk like this. That's not your prayer. Your prayer should be, Lord, I want to build a relationship with you. Because it's out of the relationship that you begin to have the response of Paul to problems. And now your view on death will also begin to change. Paul had joy. That's why I could talk like that. Paul was saying that I might have to stay on this earth. For your rejoicing, for your joy of faith, for your progress. Because I want your rejoicing to be abundant in Christ. I might have to stay, but I truly don't want to stay. Paul is Baptist. I'm hard pressed. That means he's torn between two opinions. Can, can you imagine? 
Death and life. Why are you torn between death and life? You should be able to choose one. I choose life. No. But Paul says, I'm torn. I'm torn. I'm hard-pressed. I don't know what to choose. I want to choose death. You know, because it's, it's good for me. You know, when I go, I'm going to my father. I, I want to go. I want to depart because that is far better, according to his words. But he said, Nevertheless, if I remain in this flesh, it's also needful for you. What then? I'm confident that I shall remain and continue with you all for the progress and joy of faith. So he was saying that I have confidence that because of you, I might be delivered from jail. But if it was left to Paul alone, he was just ready to check out. And that is the effect of joy. We are ready to be with the master. That's why in the introductory lesson, that was the first two weeks, uh, I said that an aspect of Christian joy is that you are eagerly in expectation of the coming of the Lord. If that is not part, you can't tell me you have Christian joy. Amen. Verse 27 to 30. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I might hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. Amen. So Paul is just exhorting them. Let your conduct be worthy. Your character. If you say that you are a Christian, let your character be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Amen. Let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Amen. So that's Apostle Paul. So when we call ourselves Christians, it has to show in our conduct. Conduct has to do with our speech, our actions, our motive, the contents of our hearts. Let it show. And then he just encourages them that don't be terrified of your adversaries. Don't be. Stand fast in one spirit. He encourages the church Stand fast in one spirit. Stand fast in what you have heard concerning the tenets of the faith. Stand fast in it in one spirit. Stand for, strive together for the faith of the gospel. And don't let any enemy hinder your progress. Apostle Paul went on to say something. That it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him 
but also to suffer for his sake. Ladies and gentlemen, we might not suffer like Paul. We might not have to go to prison. But one way or another, we all have a certain kind of suffering because of our affiliation for Christ. And Apostle Paul said we should stand fast. The only thing that can make you stand fast and you will not waver during times of suffering is when you have joy. I pray tonight that may our joy be made perfect. May joy be fully manifested as a result of our relationship with God. Excuse me. Amen. So, that's it for chapter one. I look forward to going into chapter two next week. Amen. So, today, we've learned about a man who was imprisoned, bound in chains. Yes, he didn't allow the surrounding to affect his calm delight. So, joy is very inward. That's why, that's why it was very important for us to establish that happiness depends on the happenings around you. But joy is independent of all the factors. You would think that Apostle Paul was sitting somewhere nice writing this letter. He was in jail. Harsh conditions. In fact, he wasn't even writing. He dictates. And then it's written. In fact, it was Timothy that actually penned down the epistle. But it, it was Paul that will dictate and then Timothy will write. Because he's a prisoner, bound. He can't really do any writing. Amen. So we are blessed. We pray that may we come to a place of more than happiness. Happiness is an emotion. And, and, and happiness is a pleasant emotion. It's good to be happy. But it is better to be in a state of joy because it's not about emotion this time. Amen. So I'll end here. If you have any questions or contributions, they are welcome. God bless you. Have we learned anything tonight? So, Paul um, told the people in Philippians, I think one of, um, one of the verses that you read, he said that it has been given unto them not only to believe on Jesus Christ, but also to suffer for his, for his, uh, for his sake. That um, Paul is saying that it was, it's from, from that verse, it sounds as if, Suffering for the sake of Christ is a gift that has been given unto them. I don't know if you can explain that first. Okay. So, um, Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind. Striving together for the faith of the gospel and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, 
but to you of salvation and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here is in me. So Paul was talking about this suffering according to the, the, the time of his day. That was also suffering. Because during, during those times, if you were a Christian, you, you, you could be imprisoned, harsh persecution. And Paul was saying that you are going to suffer. Receiving Christ as your Lord and personal Savior in this time means you might face the same thing that I'm also facing. So Paul was talking about his immediate circumstance, immediate environment. How be it, when we read this scripture today, it still doesn't exempt us from suffering. That's why I'm saying that all of us here, we will not suffer like Paul. Okay, we might not be put in prison, but one way or another, we will all endure a certain level of suffering, a certain level of discomfort because we have received Christ as our Lord and personal Savior. So what Paul is talking about here, he is talk- the kind of suffering he is talking about, is the suffering associated with confessing Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior. What will happen to you during his time? That's the suffering. But now when we look at this in the broader spectrum, we are not in Rome. We might not be imprisoned. But one way or another, we might all go through a certain level of discomfort when we receive Christ as our Lord and personal Savior. You know, believing Christ and suffering cannot easily be done away. I know some will try to explain it how it cannot be done away with. We will all suffer. That is why one of the virtues that needs to be developed is long-suffering. We have long-suffering so that it will help us through the period of uneasiness, discomfort that we go through. But one thing is rest assured. Any type of suffering that we go through, we will come out victorious. It is not going to overcome us. So that, that is the promise that Christ has given to us. All scriptures has given to us. Amen. Have I answered your question? Yes, thank you. Okay. Well, has any question or contribution? So what have you learned from today's Bible study? I would like to know what any of you have learned today, tonight. I would say that I learned about not giving up because fall didn't give up and 
he kept his faith. Um, and that's really important. Amen. Paul, Paul kept his faith. So how will we be able to keep our faith, if I should ask? Like Paul. What will help us to not give up? What will help us to keep our faith, if I should ask? We stay in a um, constant relationship with God. Um, don't give up. Don't give up. Amen. So, being in constant relationship with God is going to be the lifeline here. Because out of the fellowship we have with God, one of the attributes, virtues, that will come from relationship with God constantly is joy. I pray tonight that may our joy be made perfect, may our joy be in full manifestation because we will need it. We will need it so that we will learn to respond to challenging and uh, uh, adverse circumstances. We will need it so that when we are in that temporal discomfort, we will not give up. But we will hold on to the faith. And our conduct will still be worthy of the gospel, irregardless. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight as we've heard your word. We thank you that your word will minister to us. I pray that may we not be afraid of anything that the devil will want to use to buffet us because we are children of you, O Lord. We thank you that you've given us everything possible for us to live a life of victory, a life of overcoming. Thank you for joy. For your word says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. May joy be made perfect in us. May joy be in full manifestation. Thank you, O Lord. May we come to a place whereby we will not give up the faith. We will still hold fast to our confession that you are Lord because of the evidence of joy. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a good night. God willing, I see some of you on Sunday. God bless you.